of our solutions, family, partners, and friends, welcome to 2023, the year of the rabbit. We are officially in the middle of January as we just lapped Blue Monday, known as the third Monday of the year, which has been unfortunately dubbed the most depressing day of the year dreamed up by some psychologists in 2004, who created a formula utilizing seven variables related to weather, debt, monthly salary, the time since Christmas, the time since the failed quit attempt of a New Year's resolution, low motivation levels, and the need to take action. Yeah, to be honest, thinking about all the fact that someone actually put that into equation makes it exhausting in itself. Nonetheless, this is all a bunch of hooey pooey. It was solely a marketing stunt to help travel companies sell more holiday vacations, where apparently it had legs because 20 years later, the farce of Blue Monday still talked about today. Now, those of us here in the Smart Asset Studio have absolutely zero authority on telling anyone what to do or how to live their life. All of our mental health list is legit, and we all would ask if you are impacted or at all based on any factors at any time, just go talk to somebody. Anyhow, welcome back to the Smart Asses Podcast, where we let borons be borons. This is Andy Erickson, and I'm here with the Friday in my work week, the heartbreaker, Chris Hearns. Heartbreaker, man, how are you holding up this far these few days into the year of the rabbit? Hey, Andy, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking, as always, and I hope you're doing well. Oh, great, thanks. Well, that's great. Um, a quick little reminder, I know this is your busy season for a lot of reasons, Heartbreaker, but Valentine's Day is right around the corner, so keep an eye out for Cupid, because we don't want the same thing to happen with the problem we had last year. Well, folks, we have an absolute blinder of a show for our guest today. We're going to bring in the rainmaker, Rob McCray, for a two-part, multi-episode breakdown of the transportation market. So let's get at it and give it a tasty. The Rainmaker McCray is live and in person with us in the Smart Acid Studio. What a treat and what a way to kick off the Year of the Rabbit. Rainmaker, welcome. How are you holding up so far in the Year of the Rabbit? Doing great. It's uh, my birth year as well, way back in 1975. So uh, it's great to be back and great to uh, celebrate the new year. Fantastic. 75. All right, Rainmaker, give us a little background on what makes up Rob McCray. Pretty simple. Um a huge passion around logistics and all things that move. Uh, when I look at, at Univar Solutions, it's a uh, it's a cornucopia of just uh, different moving parts and opportunities here. So, you know, from a logistics standpoint, you're moving in the air, you're moving on the ground, you're moving on rail tracks, boats, barges. If it moves, um, however complex, from the simple to the most abstract, we move it here, and it's just a wonderful place to uh, to be a logistician. All right. Well, before we get into the details, can you give us an overall feel of the transportation market as we head into 2023? It's a it's the land of unknown um, from carriers, be it you know rail providers, be it truck providers. Right? Um, they're looking at shippers right now. Um, they're own shippers that they're currently doing business with, as well as the market, um, trying to draw new ones. Understanding the the complexities of what some people are calling a recession, other people are calling uh, the tipping point into or out of a recession, and everyone's chasing volumes, right? They want the volumes with the shippers, but they're trying to hold on to the price um, that they were selling that capacity at. And there's a lot of moving parts from, you know, on the rail side, the regulators with the STB finally starting to clamp down on precision schedule railroading and the uh, the feast that the railroads have had for the last five or six years. And then on the truckload 
development side, right? You know, coming out of a deep trough where prices were, you know, exponentially lower than they ever had been before way back in the summer of 2020 to an insane kind of ripple or ripcord effect um, coming right out of, you know, the, the worst or the start of COVID to where you couldn't find a truck at any cost. And, you know, protecting that capacity, protecting that um, the, the current base customers and understanding that there is opportunity for large enterprise carriers to grow but without, you know, overextending themselves by placing new orders on rail cars, placing new orders on tractor trailers, right? They want to make sure that the business is there to last and they're partnering with, you know, large shippers and not just being treated as a commodity. And I think for us as a shipper, right, and, and others within, you know, the, the chemical industry, it's important to view capacity as a long-term investment and really establish those partnerships as opposed to the short-term rate negotiations where every quarter or twice a year you're trying to negotiate rates just trying to find the the pennies right there in the pile. It's much easier, right, for the shippers to lock in and hedge on an annual basis. It's much easier for the carriers to understand what that capacity feels like. And candidly, for you know all the bean counters out there, it's, it's much easier to kind of smooth out what your investments are going to be and what your inflation index is going to be. All right, Rob, let's dive into the rail first. Last time we were in the studio, we were talking about an impeding rail strikes that have since been averted. Is this case closed? Are there other after effects? I would never say it's closed, right? It's organized labor. And to take a step back, right, we need to understand that PSR, Precision Schedule Railroading, and the railroads, um, you know, adoption of PSR across all the Class 1 railroads really was about minimizing and reducing their variable costs. And some of that is in, you know, ancillary functions like, you know, track leasing or switching services. And it's also a big piece in, in their, their assets, right? How many pieces of equipment? they're they're using or, or you know not using well their asset utilization and then lastly their people right what's the redundant headcount from a rail standpoint PSR is all about you know managing and creating more efficient trains longer longer trains right with few as few people as possible to to run them now there are real labor concerns the laborers the unions right they have their requirements and the law regulated through the STB, the Surface Transportation Board, has their rules of engagement. And I think if you think of it like a pendulum, that pendulum swung very, very far to the right, meaning it was in the favor of carriers for many, many years. And then slowly, as PSR took hold, right, after years of kind of it slowly creeping, that pendulum swung all the way to the left. And you saw actions that were almost draconian in nature from the railroads and slashing headcount. And, you know, I think we reached a point where the labor unions had had enough and and honestly, the people, the human impact was a little too much for the employees of the railroad with 100-hour work weeks, with no time off. Um, and ultimately, what you saw was enough was enough from the railroad employees. And ultimately, it bubbled up to impact capacity with the shippers. And that's when the STB stepped in. I think that we're at a point now where the railroads recognize that. And the railroads recognize that they are losing capacity to the truck side. And the only way that they can fix this is to accurately and effectively staff. Now, the crux of the situation is, is most of them, with the exception of BNSF, and I'm talking about the class one railroads, are publicly traded companies. So Wall Street is going to have a lot to say on how they mitigate those costs and labor is a big piece. So they have to walk a fine line without taking rate up too much and forcing customers onto the over the road market, the truck market, while also you know, listening and engaging with their employee base to provide better working 
conditions, candidly, for their current employees and also, you know, have enough reserve capacity in their labor force to to handle the surges that come during the e-commerce season or when the ports open up, especially in the world of COVID right now. Thank you, Rob. So we're seeing headlines around rail-related embargoes. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, so think of an embargo is simply like, uh, it's like metering. It's like a filter, right? The the railroad networks um, can get congested. It's not like a highway. There's no back roads that you can take, right, to get off of the interstate. There is track and, you know, it goes both ways on a single piece of track. And it's an ironic situation where you have an influx of um, or surge of demand on the railroads and they're trying to meet it at the same time that they don't have crews for the locomotives that they're running. And so what they do is they say, okay, well, we need to reduce the number of shipments we're going to take in for non-captive shippers, meaning companies that can ship both truck and rail. It's an easy algorithm, right? The calculus is simple. You simply move your freight over to to truck for captive shippers right folks that ship a lot of chemicals and those chemicals are used for water treatment or other you know municipalities that impact the american consumer that is not such an easy equation especially when you know highly specialized markets like the bulk market right there just aren't those trucks out there and you can't you know, just snap your finger and instantly, you know, have a rubber lined 53 foot trailer to haul whatever, whatever chemical you're trying to do, caustic soda or hydrochloric acid, et cetera. And remember, a rail car is, you know, four of those tankers for every one rail car. So the situation can get out of control very quickly where you've got cars backing up. You can't get the employees to come in. And that typically has been used by the railroads as a measure of last resort. However, it stacks up as the days turn into weeks and turn into months, um, you start to get massive congestion on the railroad tracks. And so from an embargo standpoint, historically, railroads would do about 50 to 100 a year. Through last year, I think uh, 2022, uh, UP, Union Pacific, was up over 1,000 embargoes. So that is a astronomical increase year over year. And it just became, you know, that is the go-to option. So, Rob, you kind of touched on this, but is there anything specific or unique to these macro events as it relates to the chemical and ingredient market? Yeah, I think we're abnormally impacted by it, right? Because so much of our product does move on bulk. When you think Univar Solutions, it's probably 65 to 70 percent of our, you know, pounds, right? Our volume that we move really is in that bulk space. And again, bulk is a very highly niche market within the Department of Transportation and registered carriers that can move those products. So, candidly, we rely on the rail. And when I say we, I mean, you know, American customers, American citizens, right? These these products, I keep going back to it, go into treating water treatment um, among many other different uh, activities that they're used for. But that's probably the, the one that, that most people would understand. And so when you can't, when your sourcing location says this is where, you know, these ingredients are coming from, hydrochloric or caustic or bleach or what have you. There's only a handful of those sites in the U.S. that produce that product. And the only viable way to move it is through a rail car. Having an embargo or having a railroad say that you can only ship a portion or a percentage of the overall demand slows everything down and creates unnecessary demand for the American consumer and unnecessary inflation on shippers that the American consumers are going to feel. It exacerbates the kind of macro environment of hyperinflated market and fears of a recession. Fantastic, Rob. Appreciate the intel. So, if there were one thing to keep an eye on in the rail market for the year of the rabbit, what would that be? <laughs> um, transparency, 
right? I think all of this can be solved. And I had the, the opportunity to speak at the Surface Transportation Board. They had an open hearing in early December of 2022. And really the call for action to the, to the railroads were instead of using the, and let's be real here, the oligolip, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? An oligopoly, right? Instead of using those those powers that they're afforded through the Staggers Act, right? And and just passing on cost and, and dictating the terms in which shippers can um, use their system, have an open conversation with the shippers. Say, guys, we're impacting or being impacted by severe constraints on the network right now. We have to limit shipments. What are your critical shipments that must move through what can you shift over to truck? What is reasonable? What's out there, right? And have that that dialogue. And when you think on the truckload side, those conversations happen all the time and, and primarily through competition, right? There are thousands, if not tens of thousands of trucking companies. There are four or five large class one railroads. That's it. So the dynamic is different. The ability to talk transparently um, and openly about how many people they're hiring, what their, what their rates of attrition truly are, what the velocity of their train speeds are, right? And the overall health, right, of their rail network, being able to have that on more than just a quarterly, you know, conversation, but dare I say, you know, monthly with large enterprise shippers such as Univar Solutions, that's critical. So when you ask, what do you key in on? Ask your transportation professional, how often are you talking to the railroads? What are you talking about, right? And if the substance of those conversations is more than just a few KPIs being, you know, talked about, we're making good progress. If all that's happening is somebody is quoting how many real cars are on the network and what the train speed is, that's not a good sign that things are going to work. everybody that concludes our first part uno part one of our transportation segment in the first total episode of the year of the rabbit please stay tuned for part two where we focus on the truck market thanks and see you soon smart acids breaking things down for the chemicals and specialty ingredients market one born at a time smart acids is part of the univar solutions podcast network